Today's guest is Terry Dorsey. Terry Dorsey is a comedian from Chicago. And man, he's been here in San Jose for not too long ago, but he's already making an impact here in the comedy community. He has big stuff coming out. Look forward to them. After our conversation, check out his website, heavyweightscomedy.com. And if you're in the San Jose area or in San Francisco, go check out his shows. He is hilarious. And um, so... Yeah, uh, I, I can't wait to get to our conversation. But before we get there, I'm doing my usual plugins, all right? And so far, the plugins I got are for my podcast. So please follow JMS Podcast here on SoundCloud or on iTunes or on Stitcher or if you want, Facebook. Oh, you know what? On Twitter, even better, on Instagram. There we go. Catch our pictures at, of our guests. And I just burped in the middle of my intro. God, that's pretty embarrassing. Burping. Um, you know what? That brings to mind. I just realized that I have a, another dumb fear. Uh, I have a fear of choking on my food. Like not just like choking on the food, but like actually dying from trying to eat something and then getting clogged up on my air pipe and just fucking uh, looking ridiculous in the middle of a restaurant as I struggle to breathe and I just fucking die. Can you imagine that? Like I really thought about it. I was like, you know what? That'll be pretty bad. You know, I'll be, what's worse is that, you know, I have a friend of mine who, who says, yeah, we get, he's a paramedic or he used to be a paramedic and goes, yeah, we get a lot of calls like that. We get people choking, especially on cheese. He says, he says that people, uh, they, they underestimate cheese and cheese can like, especially the, the fucking processed mozzarella ones or, you know, you, you know, the kind of cheese that's like rubber, the shitty cheese, which a lot of it has to do with American cheese. That shit can get stuck in your fucking air pipe and it can fucking kill you. And they design it happens so often that the paramedics even have this a specialty scissors that goes down your throat and it cuts up the cheese. It's like, damn, someone actually had to invent something like that. But it doesn't have to just be cheese. It could be like a, a piece of meat. You know? And, and and I think about it, I'm like, you know what? If I'm eating something I'm enjoying and I fucking choke on it and I die and I croak. But I don't know. I, I, I start thinking, you know what? Eh, it's not so bad if I died from eating a, a cazone. You know, if it's a good cazone and I fucking die, I fucking die. But it's embarrassing if like I'm eating like uh some some like bar food, like let's say some mozzarella sticks from some dive bar and I fucking die there. It's like no, that, that would suck. That would suck. Like what what would my family think of me? You know, he's like, oh, man, he, how, how would anybody think of that? It's like eating food is so basic, and yet, in some ways, even that can kill us. Well, you know, that's what they say. You got to make sure you chew, right? Chew, chew, chew. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's what I got to say about that. <laughs> let's care about, let's go to our conversation with Terry Dorsey. Let's see what's up. Terry Dorsey. Yo, yo, what up, man? Terry Dorsey. This has been a long time coming. Yeah, I know, man. Scheduling. Long time coming. It's just scheduling, man. You know how that goes. It's like man. twice, three times already that like we scheduled. Uh, why you gotta put me out there all bad, man? It wasn't like, your fault. It was my fault, too. Nah, I mean, man, it was my fault, too. No, it wasn't. It was no. music. It was shared. That we could. We're here well, now. Well, well, that's what's funny, I think, is that uh, it almost like the forces of nature almost tried to stop us from doing this because even today got a little yeah, complicated it right? got a little complicated but i mean you know anything worth doing is worth uh, working for so that's what you do terry dorsey i'm excited to have you here yeah i'm good i'm excited to be here good um what's up yeah it's my it's my cup of tea, Usually cup yeah, of tea. quite literally drinking yeah. a cup of tea you drink tea uh, sometimes, yeah. I'm not like a huge tea drinker. Like, I'm not gonna go out and buy tea bags and all that shit. But I will like order tea every once in a while. More of a caffeine guy. Yeah, I'm 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 old school. Like, I just drink pop, man. Well, soda here, but you know, we call it pop. You call it pop. You're from Chicago. Mm-hmm. Born and raised. Well, actually, man, I was raised in the suburbs of Chicago. I'm from Markham, and uh, it's about maybe 20 minutes outside of uh, Chicago. Hop skip. You know, it's all connected, but. Uh yeah, that's that's that was where I kind of grew up. But being there, you're so affected by the city, and you're in the city, kind of constantly. Any any social events, anything. So, so it's, it, it's, it was an interesting upbringing. It didn't feel like you were in a bubble in the suburbs. 
Nah, there's no, there was no bubble. This was just a continuation of Chicagoland into the suburbs, into the suburbs, into the suburbs. It's just it, certain suburbs do have that feel, that bubble, like Hoffman Estates and you know places like that that were kind of to themselves. But when you were so close to the city, you were just another part of the city. Surprisingly, so San Jose is kind of like that too. Like uh, I met a guy who from South San Jose, the suburbs over there. Mm-hmm. We go downtown, and he's scared to go everywhere. It's like you fucking suburb kid. You you afraid to walk yeah, down the downtown see, streets? You're kidding me. That's what we got in all our trouble at. That's where we used to go. We used to go fuck up in the city and then drive home where it was safe. Fur, <laughs> safe fur. I wouldn't say safe. You safer. know, me hanging out downtown San Jose. Me living in Oakland. Me hanging out over there. One thing I learned is if you walk around with confidence, nobody's gonna fuck with you. Yeah, and once you hit a certain age, man, I think you know. See, for me, it's been cool because now I'm in my thirties, and once you get in your thirties, a lot of the BS just. You know, people just don't come at you with that <laughs> shit, man. They just like, you know what? I'm gonna leave his ass alone. I don't know what he's been through. You, you think that's a factor? The age, like for you, sure. Like man. if you look young, you look like a punk. Uh, yeah, if you you know if they can size you up, you know. But you gotta think, man. I mean, even an idiot looks at a train coming and says, maybe I should get out the way. You know, this guy might be. You don't know what this person could have been through. They could have been special forces. They could have been a cop. Right. You know, you got a little bit more life experience. So when people see that on you, I think. They'll tend to maybe sidestep you as opposed to come straight at you. Right, right. That makes sense. That makes sense, man. So how was it growing up over there in uh, in Chicago, or or at least the outskirts? Well, Chicagoland. It was fun, man. I I mean, I love it. I was just back home a couple weeks ago. Um, Okay. Tell me a bit about your upbringing. Your mom, pop, what do they do? Uh, My dad, both of them, well, my mom and my dad were from Mississippi. They moved to Chicago. And uh, my mom was a cashier. My dad was a construction worker, straight up like, you know. Mm Mm-hmm. Hard-working guy. Yeah, you you're, know. So you're a full-on blue-collar, huh? For sure. Yeah. Okay. Ooh. All the way down. I was the black sheep because uh, I tried the blue-collar work, and it was cool because the money was pretty cool, you know what I mean? But I just, that just wasn't my thing, man. I'm a talker, so I, I ended up moving from that into uh, moving more away from the blue-collar work into sales, marketing. You know, I, I've done a lot of Since I was about 20 years old, I've been in sales and marketing, one way or the other. How many siblings do you got? Uh, hmm, that's a very good question. A lot of times in my mind, I feel like I have two siblings, but I actually have four. What? Why is that a, a complicated question for you? It, because it is. I didn't grow up with all my brothers and sisters, so it's very hard to call them my siblings. You know, it's like who you grow up with, who you're around the most. Those are your siblings, right? So if I had to say siblings, I got two. But uh, both of my parents were married before. So you have half brothers and half sisters. Yeah, yeah. I have a full sister, and then it's all half brothers. How was it growing up being the black sheep? Because I assume they all got into blue-collar work, except well, for you. Nah, it's not true. It's just, it was just my dad was like that. My brother Tony, you know, he's definitely on the executive level. Uh, he's been there. He's been out. He was an underwriter for years, you know, and all that. My sister, she works in, I don't know what the hell she does, but she works for Aon, you know, the insurance, mm. the business insurance corporation. <laughs> Maybe she does insurance there. I mean, well, I don't, but she knows layers to that shit. I don't know if she's in accounting. Uh, I don't know what she does. But either way, I'll know she works there at Aon. And, uh, you know, me, myself, uh, we know, working with AT&T for a number of years. And so we all kind of broke from it. I did go towards it. My first job was with the construction company, though. You know, I was doing construction first. What kind of work? Were you hauling cement? Nah, just straight up grunt work. Like, you know, I was a laborer, so I did whatever the hell they needed me to do that day. Mm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they need you to load trucks, you load trucks. They need you to go assist on the job site. They need you to go flag, whatever it is. They'll just send you out to do it. Like, a lot of people feel like, you know, there's a flagger application somewhere where you can just go and become a flagger at a construction site. That's not how that shit works, man. Mm-hmm. It's just whoever they need to flag that day. Like, hey, go watch traffic. Okay. And you go yeah. do that shit. So I did whatever they needed me to do, man. But I did end up uh, working a jackhammer a couple times in the yard. That was kind of trippy. Man. How was that? I, I figured that would kind of, after a while, put a lot of stress on my arms. Man, stress on your arms. It puts stress on your whole body. I was shaking that night when I went home, man. Because <laughs> it was so funny. They were all yeah. laughing at me and shit because I had the jackhammer out in front of me like on the Flintstones, you know. Because uh-huh. that's the way I thought you did it. You know, you hit it out in front of you like, you know, Flintstones and shit. And then my dad comes by because he was there that day on the side with me. And he was like, here, just how you do it. You know, you put it on, you lay it on your leg and you let it ride on your leg and you just grab the trigger and the handle. And I was like, oh, it's way easier, man. I was working the shit out myself, man. And he's like, he's like, you won't get any work done like that, man. You just be sitting there holding it, be going up and down, man. So I was like, it, it was interesting to learn how to use those type of tools. You know right, what I mean? Right. It was a great learning experience, man. I had a lot to. Uh, I mean, I gained a lot from learn from working there. You know. You know, I, yeah, some similar situation here. You know, when I was younger, I, I spent my summers helping my uncle's. Uh, he works as a landscaping 
business. Oh, okay. And yeah. he would, you know, not just mow lawns, but he would, you know, full-on work in gardens. And oh, that. yeah. So here it was in the summer fucking mowing these huge lawns in Los Altos. You know the houses over there? They're oh, like, yeah. They're like mansions, Altos, and they yeah. got, like, super huge lawns. They're not like mansions. They're mansions. <laughs> yeah. Most and, of them. And the lawns are pretty much football fields. It's like, who needs this much space? Jesus Christ. People over there. Anyway, I'm there with the lawnmower, right, doing my best in the summer heat. Mm-hmm. And I'm, like, you know, pushing it. And then one of the workers goes, hey, dude, just put it on, like, auto. There's, like, an autopilot. Are you pushing a uh, fucking self-propelled lawnmower? <laughs> yeah, I was pushing a self-propelled lawnmower. Oh, that's funny. And I look like such an idiot, like, like working at twice as much as I should be. Yeah, that's the, yeah, those are funny days at work. But that's the thing. It's about working smarter, not harder, man. Those are the things you learn by doing most of the time. You right. Know? Uh, you just figure those things out as you go through life, so that's cool. Now you mentioned that your your brother is a, is a writer, underwriter, underwriter. Yeah, what is that? Of, it's a financing type of gig. It's like for banking. He he does underwriting for banker banks in particular, not bankers, but for banks. Okay. I don't know. I don't. I don't get into that shit. No. I have no idea with any of it. I just know it's, he used to work in Sears Tower. That was cool. Sears Tower. Yeah. Hey. Like that was cool. That is, was, is that the, still the tallest building in Chicago? Oh, for sure. Is it okay? Yeah, Trump put a building up, but it's not quite as big as the Sears. It's it's, it's hard to build a building. Like people don't really. I think until you come to Chicago and you stand at the foot of it. Well, you've been to Chicago, right? No, I wish. Uh, you haven't been. Oh yes, yeah. so if you come, you, you stand at the foot of that building. You understand what it means to be, you know, special because that building is special. It's huge, man. And mm. um, there are bigger buildings in the world now, but that building was there a long time ago. Well, it's iconic. Not just iconic, dude. It's been there, standing there for years. You know what I mean? As this huge pillar of, you know, success. You know, and that's that's what it is. That's what it embodies. It's like that is synonymous with Chicago. You know, the Sears Tower is one of the things that defines the skyline of Chicago. And it's just cool to, you know, I had to bring my brother work. There. I used to have to take three elevators to go see him. Mm-hmm. It was three different elevators. I take this elevator up to this floor, walk across take another elevator up to this floor, walk back across, and then go up, and then you go to his floor. Man, you figure that elevator makes everything easier, but no, it's just as complicated. Well, it was the shape <laughs> of the building. You know, that building is all stacked up and crazy. It's just really, really, really cool architecture, man. But, you know, when you look at it in a picture, you just say, oh, that looks cool the way they made it, but it's still a very functioning building. Um, and even with all those crazy levels to it, you know, if you go into the sky deck, which is like at the top of the building, you can just go on a sky deck elevator. I think it does like 40, 50 miles an hour or some shit like that. And uh, it has the, I haven't been in it in years, but it has a speedometer and it lets you know how fast it's traveling, but it shoots you from the bottom floor all the way up to the top. I heard it's freezing up there. Yeah, it should be. You're up in the atmosphere, be. man. Yeah. You're up amongst the clouds. Amongst the gods. Yeah, in a sense. I guess you're right. <laughs> now they got the, uh, yeah, now you can float in the air because they got the glass box out. I'm not getting in that shit. Fuck that. Fuck. Fuck that shit I'm not getting in that box that's crazy it, that's, it's cracked multiple times too oh my god fuck that man that, can you imagine your hundred stories up in the air and it cracks they have something similar to the in the Grand Canyon they got mm-hmm. like this little glass uh, oh yeah deck. it's like cantilevered right and it's like I know that fucking you not know, to sound racist or anything like that but fucking white people you, you know yeah, that man. that's their just, thing well the thing is white people aren't afraid of anything else so they have to come up with new things to uh challenge their fear <laughs> that and that's sense. the thing you know that's why they was like well we've already conquered the world <laughs> and the universe apparently nobody's greater than i right. what can we do oh bungee jump. let's jump off of a, a bridge oh i got a great idea let's go skydiving let's jump out of a perfectly good airplane with a blanket on a string yeah that's white people shit like black people didn't invent any of that stuff that's guaranteed well i'm pretty sure you know a a lot of latinos and and black people built stuff for them you know earlier we mentioned the the railroad no i I guarantee you there were no black people involved with the engineering or construction of bungee cords (laughs) or parachutes i I guarantee those two (laughs) things have no connection to black people Cause uh, I, we we don't even we didn't even really like airplanes, so I know we weren't going to be jumping out of them motherfuckers. That was not part of our deal, right? You know, we might have came up with life vests, you know, uh-huh. after, after that slavery thing, because that could have saved us. But yeah, other than that, that now no. the, the safety precautions of things is, is where the you think the black ingenuity went to. Maybe you know, like the stoplight, you know, attributed to black people because we we don't trust other people to just drive fares. He was like, hey man, we need to come up with a system. <laughs> To get other people to stop when we need them to, so we don't run into each other. They're like, yeah, maybe some shit, but not 
white water rafting and shit. I don't yeah. think we were, we were like, fuck that river. Let's walk. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't need to go down <laughs> that particular river. I'll just, you know, I'll take a regular boat, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Why pedal across? Just build a bridge. and Yeah, build a bridge. Now, see, so that's, that's something we might have, you know, that just seems like general ingenuity, but... Yeah, when you're just tackling, like, I don't understand canoes at all. I'm going to be honest with you, man. I'll probably never canoe. Never, ever? I'll probably never canoe. Like, canoe rivers or canoe the canoe, sea? Canoe, period. Period. I don't like canoes. Who the fuck designs this boat that if you, if you flip over, you have to twist a certain way to get back up into, no, I'm, I don't want to die by canoe because I panicked because I flipped over <laughs> and there's rapids and shit. And you feel so vulnerable because it's so small. Like, yeah, man. Fuck that, man. I need a big boat, man. Like anything out of the water could literally jump out. Like, like. Yeah, just kill you. A fish. Like I took, man. Have you ever been on a cruise ship? No, I have not. Oh, you gotta go on a cruise. I remember when I went on my first cruise, man. It was uh, I, was, I remember seeing this huge ship. I was like, damn, man. I didn't know they were gonna be this big. You know, when you finally get up on them, and you're like, these things are fucking cities, man. This is gonna be sweet. I can't wait to do this. We about to make the ocean our bitch. And then we get into the ocean, and I realize this is not a huge ship. Yeah. This is a fucking boat. <laughs> okay? That is the ocean we can lose at any moment. If the ocean wanted to just swallow us whole, no one would have heard of us before. They would have yeah. been it. You know, and you realize these things, you know, when you, when you see just how vast the world is that we live in, man. Like, that, that is a... The one thing about cruising is cool is you get to see a lot of the world in a short amount of time. But you get you get to get out there on the open ocean, man, and really understand what that means. Well, that's the thing, man. People these days they look into like Google Earth, they look into maps. They're like, oh, yeah. it can't be that big. We're all connected. It's yeah, a, man. It's a small world. But once you're out there in nature, you re- re- truly realize how vast space is. Man, I'm telling you, the thing was huge, man. I was like, yeah. this ship, this ship is great, man. This thing is like fuck the Titanic, right? This thing was huge, and then we had a storm. We weren't on that ship five hours, man, and we had a storm. And I was, we were sitting upstairs. We were eating dinner. It was this beautiful uh, uh, diner. We're not diner, diner, beautiful restaurant at the top of the back of the ship. And it looked out over the pool. And I just saw the water in the pool swimming around like a toilet bowl. And then it drained, right? Then I saw them putting nets over the pool. I'm like, they drain the pool every night? And then everybody was like, I seriously doubt they drain the pool every night. Probably about to run into some choppy water. And as soon as they said that, man, I feel like the boat just started doing 45 degree angles in every direction, man. We're at the top of it. Right. You know, so I'm feeling everything. You're looking at the chandelier swinging and shit. And then it just like on top of the side, the side motion, it started going up and out of the water. You can hear it splash and hit the fucking waves, man. And I was like, did we just come out of the water? Like, like you felt like the, it you, was submerged? No, like, no, not submerged. I mean, like, it comes, like, it breaks, like, over the waves. Like, we were going over the top of a wave, and it just came down, like, backwards to front. Oh. Boom. Like, it was like, was this entire thing out of the water? How much was the front end out of the water? Yeah. You heard the whole ring when it hit the water again. Like, dude. And I was like, oh, fuck, man. This was a bad idea. <laughs> this was a bad idea, man. What are the life vests that we invented around here? Yeah, I know, right? Well, no, those were always close. And, like, fuck them little dinghy boats. You'll die, too. Those things are going to save you, man. It's like, when you're out there in the ocean, that thing will eat you. And that's, for me, I totally respect fishermen. Like, you know. Those it, dudes are all, all insane. You have to be insane. You have to be but, clinically insane but, to but, get out there in them little boats and but, go salmon fishing. And shit. The thing with fishermen, unlike people who are, like, adventurers, is, like, they need it. To, they need to do that to make a living. Yeah. You know, through economical means, they're putting themselves out there to, you know. Yeah, but they sea for months. Yeah. With a bunch of dudes and no shower, and no chicks, and yeah. no cable, probably no Wi-Fi. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I can do that, man. That's I doubt, you know, nah, I just think about it. it. Probably wouldn't be so bad. They probably, it's probably just a bunch of dudes that got tired of hearing their girlfriends fucking mouths, and they was like, "I got a new career, babe. I'm gonna be a long fisherman, and uh, we can still date, but I'll only see you every three months." Actually, I heard that that actually in a lot of cases that strengthens uh, relationships is having distance having distance at a oh, certain amount sure, of time man. anytime you don't have to deal with a chick's mouth on a daily basis you will definitely stand a better <laughs> chance of being with her longer well on both sides too uh, you know oh yeah they don't have to put up with our shit either exactly like trying to have sex with them every 37 minutes like you know how like medieval stories you talk about knights going on quest for princesses yeah yeah that was a real thing like when, when if you were not you don't have to be a knight but back in medieval ages if you're a woman there, there's a point where you made a pilgrimage 
for your women. Like I can, uh-huh. I can get you flowers from this mountain or some shit. Gotcha, yeah. And they would spend months away from each other and come back. Mm-hmm. And it's like that would strengthen their relationship. So it's like it's nothing new. I, I, I think this whole. I think we need to put more space in the relationships. I'm with you, man. I think the next yeah. relationship I get into, I'm going to tell her we can only see each other once a month. <laughs> I don't know about that. Come maybe on, maybe twice, uh, maybe twice a month. Ah, uh, come yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. I think because that's, that's the best way, man. It's the distance. The absence makes the heart grow fonder. See do, what do, mean? do you feel like you're you're uh, affectionate, intimate? I think uh, I think I I am with particular people, mm. but other than that, I'm very much so not. I'm very detached. I'm not a. You know, but because that's something I'm working on. Because yeah. my my first like real serious relationship, yeah. I think I was, I was a little too overbearing at times. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. And and even now I'm like, all right, I need to pace myself for me and for her. Yeah. I, I guess yeah. I'm a little codependent. I think that's what I'm trying to say. Do well, you, feel you like might, but you way? might run into somebody the same way. Well, see, I tend to become codependent for sure, um, but it, it takes a while for me to give over to you. See, it's like I'll be it's like a stone wall for maybe months, and then eventually. I want to give all the way over to you. Like once I really know I can trust you. Right. See, the thing is, it's hard for me to trust people, especially I've lived a little bit. I'm 36 now. Yeah. So I don't trust anybody. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just I take everybody at face value. At what age did you realize you couldn't trust everybody? Probably around 27, 26, 27. Hey, what happened around there? Just life. I was doing stand up. I was becoming pretty popular. I was moving around. I taped a TV show. Um, and you yeah. saw you saw people start to change a little bit around you, like certain like it was weird. Like I went by a stage name, and I thought it was strange that a lot of my boys called me by that name more than they called me by my real name, and that was strange. Well, that's the thing with stand up, or that's the thing with entertainment is people begin to like you for that mask you put on on yeah, stage. Yeah, that becomes who you are. But then when you show them a real side of you, they're like, "Dude, what's wrong with you? Like, this is not." All right, you're just they're disappointed. To be- yeah, but like I'm gonna tell you this: certain people aren't putting on a mask. Like I kicked it with Godfrey. You know, he's from Chicago. He lives in New York. Godfrey is Godfrey, twenty four seven. That same dude you see on stage, at that tempo, at that pace, at that amount of energy is happening when he gets off stage. He is always on, and I was like, "Damn, dude!" Well, that's the ideal situation you want to be as a comedian is to mm-hmm. find your voice and find your voice that's most closest to who you are. Yeah. I think once you're there... Hey, man, I just burped, and it's just going to smell like straight home all uh, up in There's here. a good distance between us. There's like what? Um, I don't know, man. That was pretty feet, strong. Four or five feet? That was pretty strong, man. That's okay. I got a few breeze in the back. Yeah, don't worry right, about I'm it. Saying, it was delicious, about. though. But go ahead. I just no. wanted to say something. Sorry about that, man. No, it's okay. Your burp has, has its own voice. <laughs> I muffled it, but it, it, you know the silent ones that stink the most, man. That's mm. the one. It's just like a fart, man. Silent but deadly. But. Do you feel like you are Terry on and off stage? Yeah, I do think I. I think this is the first time I could say that. When I was doing stand up before, I was definitely putting on a face and definitely kind of going into a character. And this is really what I say shit on stage. Those are thoughts that I really have. Mm. And you know, I turn them. I'm like, that could be funny. It's like it usually starts as a real thought, and I'm like, that could be a joke. You know, these are th- the thoughts in my head. These are the things I think about. So, yeah, I think I'm as much me as I've ever been on stage. What kind of character were you when you first started? Uh, well, not too far off for me. I think I was a lot more obnoxious. Like, the character was shady, and my boy was Two-Face, so together we were too shady. And I did a two-man comedy act, and we would, uh, you know, just do skits. It was fun, man. It was kind of like Ken Pill, but way before Ken Pill. And I was a little bit crazy, a little bit more ghetto, a little bit more street, a little bit. It was shady, you know, so I had to kind of, I wasn't like a thug or a street dude, but I was definitely on some sneaky shit, you know. Uh, the jokes kind of led in that direction. I dressed a lot more street, too, you know. Did you, did you find it a little weird that here's a, a kid from the suburbs portraying someone from the street? you never been to my suburb. Oh, that's right. Okay. <laughs> that's what I'm saying, man. Like, I mean, murders happen every day in my neighborhood. It ain't okay. just, it ain't just, that's what I'm saying. Well, they're only counting the murders in Chicago, not the murders in the suburbs. You know, they count a few of those here and there. But the suburbs that touch Chicago, there's certain suburbs that you don't want to go through. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I'm being 100 with you, man. Like, it's like Markham, Harvey, Robbins. These are suburbs that you will get killed in. There's people getting shot every other day. Does that include your suburb? Yeah. I'm yeah. From, I was from Markham. How was it growing in that environment? 
I mean, honestly, when we were younger, it wasn't as bad. And then it just kept getting progressively worse. But we used to have, like, the summer camps and shit, and that was cool. You know, we'd do the park district shit, and everybody kind of had that community feel. And it's like the older I got, the more that dissipated. And then when they tore the projects down, they pushed everybody from the projects into the suburbs. Hmm. So they moved a big chunk of the population of the city of Chicago into the suburbs. Like, basically, in the course of about three years, they had already done it. They had moved everybody out into the suburbs, and they scattered them to some of the west suburbs, mostly the south suburbs. And it's never been the same since. It's been, like I said, a continuation of the city of Chicago all the way through. Like, I'm on 159th Street or whatever, 161st. That's like from Madison, downtown Chicago. So all of our addresses and everything are still affected by Chicago. This is touching the city. So when you move that population, the only thing you did was grow the city's environment. Mm-hmm. So it was it was it was strange, but it was fun. It was cool because I got a chance to meet a lot of different people from a lot of different areas, and uh, I was cool. A lot of great people came out of the South Suburbs too, man. Dwayne Wade's from Robbins, you know, Robbins, Illinois. Uh, D. Uh, D. Ray Davis is from Robbins. You know, I'm from Markham. These are like five minutes apart. You know, we both right off Kedzie. You know what? Chicago has a huge uh, lineage of entertainers coming out of there. Uh, yeah. Like for me, I, I love the blues music that come out of Chicago. Oh, yeah. And, but on top Some of, of that. Some of the best blues, man. But on top of that, show business. You know, you, especially yeah. in comedy, you, you got Second Street up there. Second City, yeah. Second City? Second City See, I can't even say it fucking right. Nah, that's cool. Second City in Old Town, man. Yeah, that's a... Uh, that's a cool building too, man. If you ever get a chance to go, you definitely go check it out. Yeah. They got the Up Theater too. So, w- when did comedy play a factor in your life? So, uh, I think it always has. You know, I saw Eddie Murphy Raw when I was like, I don't know, twelve, ten. I was really young. Live? No, hell no. No. Uh, my sister had a copy. One of her friends had to see, had the videotape, and I watched it. You know, kind of behind the couch when she was watching. I was like, dude, who is this dude? Why does he get to say all this stuff? You know. And I was kind of attracted to it. Now, one of the first places I used to hang out was a comedy club. Like, first places with alcohol I used to hang out was a TNT Comedy Club. And uh, we, it was 18 over show. I was 17, but I had the same beard I have now. So, we used to sneak into the 18 over show <laughs> and kick it. So, I've been, comedy has really been a part of my life as long as I can remember. At what point were you like, you know, I'm going to try this up on stage? Hanging out at TNT Comedy Hub. Yeah? Yeah, because it was this one dude. Well, this is when a lot of our... Uh, like a lot of comics were coming up out of that era. So Dion Cole was there all the time. D Ray Davis was there all he was just starting out when I started going. Um I see Dion D Ray. Uh Corey Holcomb was there. Mm-hmm. You know, you had all these guys who were coming up and they were so funny and I was cool with a lot of them because I was there all the time. And uh, you know, I would just run it by them, man, I think I wanna try it, man. I think I think I might be funny, you know, I think I got what it takes, you know. And this one dude, Jeff B., was like, well, dude, one thing, one thing I can say is this is enough stage for everybody, you know? So no matter who you up against, no matter who's on that stage, everybody got their time, they can do their thing. So I got good advice from guys who were very funny, you know? And this guy, Leon, what really kind of pushed me over was uh, this guy, Leon, every time he used to get off stage, he would say, it's a cold world outside. But I'm not saying that because it's cold. I'm saying that like when you go outside, you got bills, you got your kids, your wife, whatever, you know? But you come in here and for 90 minutes, you laugh at all of that and we give you a vacation. And that's why I love my job. And I was like, that's what the fuck I want to do. If you can get paid to make people happy, you know, to give make people kind of a little bit more stress-free, I think that's a great occupation, man. So that pushed me towards comedy. It still took me a couple years to get on stage. But those conversations and listening to those comics, man, really made me want to get on stage. And it's great to see them all doing so well today. And I'm chasing them. I'm still chasing them. That's a good way of looking at it coming in. It's like uh, I'm here to provide solace in a time of hard times. Yeah, man. We've been saving lives since the beginning, man. You know, if you think about it, if you look at the lineage of a comedian, you know, what do we trace our roots back to? Now, I've always said, you know, you got clowns, and then you got to go back even further than that and look at court jesters in medieval times. You know, these people were saving lives. You know, don't kill him, king. Look at this. I'll juggle these fruits. Ah, and the king would laugh, and he wouldn't kill the guy. Mm-hmm. You know, so we've been providing that escape for people for a long time. Very interesting notion, man. Wow. I'm very wise, man. (laughs) Uh, Okay. (laughs) Um, Very wise, bro. (laughs) You're very modest as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, No, no, no. Well, the thing is, is I I personally would trace even back further to caveman times. I I would think comedy was definitely used as a coping mechanism 
to deal with you know harsh realities at the time for example it's like let's say just they just finished hunting down a huge mammoth yeah and they start making fun of the guys like hey remember that guy that got hit by the tusk oh man you fucked up didn't you <laughs> yeah that's true I mean, and, oh yeah we've totally been talking shit exactly since the beginning of time and, yeah. and I'm not saying comedy derives from talking shit but the sense of like hey you know we just survived something you know so it's like hey it's, 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 yeah, I guess that's a basic, humor basic human emotion. Yeah, to do that. Like, ooh, that was close. Yeah. yeah. I thought you were going to get us this time. Yeah. Which is why I don't think it's an accident that comedy, like at least in the United States history, strived in the environments. You know, mm. I, I compare uh, comedy just like boxing. It's like, who are these cats coming out? They're coming out from New York, L.A., yeah. Chicago. Probably from, from, from harsh uh, environments, you know? Just like boxers, yeah, I guess so. And it's, it's and 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 it's either it's either exterior forces that, that, that that's kind of like you know whether it's financial or it's interior. It's like some people are emotionally fucked. Yeah. So them performing comedy is a way to cope. No, for sure. I mean, it's funny you make that connection because I felt the same way. That's why I wanted to name when I was looking for something to name like my comedy company or like my comedy website. I was like, well, I could do TerryDorsey.com, and that sounds corny as hell and. I just didn't I don't know I mean man eventually I probably have to do that but I just was like I don't want to do that especially now we have Facebook and Instagram and all that I was like I need something else I need something a little bigger and I thought about boxing too because I look at comedians and boxers having very parallel lives you know when you think about it a boxer throws punches right Right. comics throw punchlines right. you know it's almost it's spoken in the same tongue so that's why I was like heavyweight comedy kind of like heavyweight boxing and I can promote other people. That would be a cool thing to do. Like, kind of be the Don King of comedy, I guess. You know what I'm saying? I mean, our language is not that different. It's really. not that different It's like, all. dude, you destroyed that room. Mm-hmm. Dude, you killed you, it. You walked in and you owned it. As soon as you got in that ring, as soon as you got on that stage, you yeah. owned it. Yeah. It's all very similar. It's a similar mindset. You got to psych yourself out. Everybody has their little pre- stage routine you know like you right. know Curtis Jackson third you know how he do? he's he, dancing around he's dancing with his headphones <laughs> on getting himself in the zone yeah. that's what he does though that's his thing and that's no different from a boxer or a exactly. fighter or a great athlete himself. even if yeah any great athlete you know it would be cool if I could get heavyweight comedy on ESPN I think it would be tight to like start ranking comedians <laughs> I mean poker is a freaking sport you know you don't sweat from playing poker how many times you got off stage doing any type of performance you know you're out of breath yeah, you know you're lots, sweating lots, you know and yeah. comedy is one of those things man I mean it it, it well, pushes you well that's the great thing about uh, performing comedy or any other things on stage is that it blends in my opinion like we mentioned before what is my that bad. what is that well, it's, it's the Illuminati hold on the Illuminati yeah. you, got, you got the Illuminati on uh, I got the, yeah, on speed they, dial I got the Illuminati app was that a goat yeah it's one of the things they kind of like it. Sorry, that was very rude of me. All right, continue. Sorry. I feel like I want to talk about that goat side. Why do you have goat songs in your? I don't pick it, man. The Illuminati picks all their own ringtones. As soon as you download the app, you, you don't have the Illuminati app. No, I do not have. You get that shit in the Play Store. Dude. Is, is, that, is that a real thing? No, man. Are you fucking with me? Oh my yeah. god. I, I do, dude, dude, these days, I don't know what to believe, honestly. I just know in these days and times, if you say anything with enough conviction, people will believe it. Do you know that there's a new argument that the world is flat again? That's bullshit. Come on. I don't know, man. That's a good the, argument. The, the, oh, get out of here. Hey, man. Get I don't, you here. think we went to the moon? Here, I have a globe right there. I have the globe. I can make a globe. Yeah. I got a map. So what's the difference between the two? Not okay. What's your argument that the world is flat? I don't have. An you went on a cruise ship for crying out loud. You saw I've the seen, ocean. I've, yeah, I know. It looked pretty flat though, man. <laughs> really? <laughs> nah, you can see the. You curve know, you know what's interesting? Man. You can see the curved earth, and that's the weird thing to me. That this is even an argument. You know, you and, and we've had weather balloons and satellite photos. I, I guess I hope we did. Because wouldn't it be fucked up though if we were just all taught that bullshit and the Earth really was flat? Wouldn't that be hilarious? You, you think it's like uh, what's that movie with Jim Carrey? Uh, fuck, why is it running out of my Oh yeah, I know the movie you're talking about, The Truman Show. The Truman Show. You think yeah. something like that? We're in on it. We're that all... would be tight. I've well, always thought my life. Listen, my life has my life is a movie. Okay. Yeah. It has a soundtrack, has reoccurring characters. <laughs> what's the soundtrack to your film? Well, it depends on what's going on, man. I'm serious, man. Like, what's I'm your at, soundtrack like, right now? Oh, my soundtrack! Oh, my soundtrack right now has been all Afro house music. Yeah, you know that's what's been playing in my head. That's what I've been hearing. That's the concerts I've gone to. That's what's affected. Even the people around me are playing this. Freaking me out. Afro music, I get the house part. Yeah. How does Afro, that work? Afro house, like uh, well, 
house music is a very organic form of music. It it, it changes, it shifts, it it, it goes with the really? times. Like you can listen to house music, and it, I, you can go to you're gonna go to if you go to a true house music set, you're gonna listen to uh, good old fashioned house music. They're gonna throw some gospel music in there. You might hear some blues in there. There's no telling what you might hear at that set, and they're gonna house that shit. They're gonna take it, and they're gonna take that gospel track, and they're gonna house it. What do you mean by housing? Because when, gonna, I, when I think of house, it. they're gonna remix it. See, when I think of house, I think of electronic, you know, progressive I think soft that's a, music. Yeah, those are those, 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 those progressive house and 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 Euro house. Those are all the children of house music, which is the root of all of those things. So you're saying house music is the pretty much when DJing started, like back in the seventies. Nah, well, right? I mean, house music, for what I understand, is like the bastard child of disco. Disco. So like after death, after the death of disco, disco gave birth to house music, hmm. and you can hear it. It's a lot of disco in house music, and it's the idea that you could combine different songs different together, forms of media, yeah, to, yeah. To, to make a cool product, and even manipulate the sound a bit here and there. Correct. I mean, that's what I mean. Like dudes in different media's. Like I might be playing a record and had a keyboard, and I'll be I'll be banging out on the keyboard, and might have the NPC going throwing another sample on top of that. And throw an effect on it through the board. I mean, it's like all these crazy layers to house music. And it does still have a very... The th- the one thing that's consistent that makes most people mad is the bass. Like, yeah, it's a driving bass line. A lot of people don't like that. Not all not all of it is driving. It's not just douche, douche, douche the whole time. Probably about 85% of the time. <laughs> and you feel like this fits your film soundtrack? The, at, the, at the moment, yeah. I've had some beautiful scenes. Yeah. yeah. Like, I got to see Black Coffee... With Godfrey, actually, when he was here. Me and Godfrey and uh, Amy Shank went out. And my girl Jenna from Chicago as well. She lives here now. We all went out to go see Black Coffee in San Francisco. And he dismantled the room. He just trashed the room. And it was so great. I love being able to share those type of experiences with people. Because this is my favorite DJ. This is the second time I've seen him spin in person. Both times in San Francisco. And even Godfrey was like, so is this dude from Chicago? I was like, no, man, he's South African. And he's like, and Godfrey, I think, he's not South African, but he's from the continent, his, his parents are. And I can't remember, uh, I was like, no, nah, dude, he's from South Africa. But he was like, but he sound, he DJs like a dude from Chicago. I was like, because it's real house music. Hmm. You know, and that shit, it knows no borders. And that's the power of house music. That even all the way on the other side of the world in Africa, they're creating a very organic and, and real and rich sound that sounds a lot like what we're doing in Chicago with traditional house music. It sounds like he studied us. And he might have studied Chicago a little bit, but at the end of the day, he's they still creating their own sound that mimics and feels so much like the original house music sound out of Chicago. And I love it. And I think that's that's why my podcast is full of that. Every mm-hmm. everything on my podcast is house music. I, I totally can relate to that in a sense of the blues. Like I'm a huge fan of the blues. Mm-hmm. And I get excited when I hear blues music, come, especially coming from Africa. Oh, yeah. There's some yeah. countries where, where, you know, blues music strives, you know, especially in the Western uh, Sahara area. Okay. Like, one of my favorite African blues players is Bombino. Okay. And then I hear, like, people in Asia playing blues. And it's like, it's a little different, but it has the, the underlying fundamentals of the blues. Well, which I mean, I well, I'm going to tell you, what, I think it's because Asian people are actually black people. Uh, in some way, shape, or form. I think because we're all they, black people at once. Some well, shape yeah, or form. for sure. But Asian, the, the Asian culture tends to mimic a lot of African culture to me, and African American culture. Like the hip hop culture is nuts overseas. If you go like to Asia, the hip hop culture is like so it's dripping through the culture. You know, what I don't, I can't even think of a culture where hip hop has not synced in. But it, it was hard over there. Like I mean, even over here, man. Like I'd be on the Bart. And I heard these two dudes, these two Asian dudes calling each other niggas so much. At first I was offended, but I was like, well, they are using it right. And they're talking to each other. They're not talking to me. <laughs> you know what I mean? They yeah. use it They use it as in a first-person form. Like they be like, what up, my nigga? And they mean that shit. But they don't mean it like, what up, my nigga? I own you. Ah, my parents own you. You know, that's something that's pretty common here in the Bay Area where, where Mexicans call, call each other that. Asians. Yeah, I hear that a lot too. Uh, Next, but I, I, nobody more than the Asians, I, bro. I've yeah. heard it from Asians more than anybody. As a matter of fact, they slide it off so smooth to and, you. And you're cool with it? I mean, it still makes me feel uncomfortable because of where I'm from. And I mean, right. we just don't get down like that, man. But I understand. The, I've lived here long enough to understand the environment. No, most people don't mean anything by it. And most sure, people and really sure. are trying to just be cool. And it's just they say it all the time. 
and they don't think it. They're not. They're really. It's a generation of people who really don't see it as a derogatory statement because they is is a couple generations removed from being just a derogatory statement. Right. It's been used more in recent history. If you figure over the last twenty years, it's been used a lot more positively than it has been negatively. Well, there's a a school of thought and uh, for, that says that that word has been used as a sense of empowerment now, or as a sense of like. Yeah, I, I watched a video last night of this dude. His mom got tased by the police while they was nutting off. They was doing some stupid shit. And he was like, he told the cop, he said, I would have beat your ass if you ain't had that taser, nigga. Now, this is a white dude talking to a police, a white police officer. Yeah. <laughs> but he said it was such ferocity. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Just, you know, but he wasn't saying it like, kind of like calling him a nigga. He was saying like, you understand what I'm meaning <laughs> to you? I would beat your ass, dude. Yeah. I was cracking up. I was like, the world is a very strange place, man. Yeah, and, and and there's another school of thought of that word and the history of that word. It's like it just should not be used at all. Yeah, but black people, we see, we did a good job at watering that word down because, you know, it was very much... It's the most popular slur word, I think, ever invented. I don't think, as usual, black people tend to be the best at everything, even our slur word. Like, nigga, I think, outperforms every other slur on the planet by far. <laughs> Pretty positive. Oh, I don't even know who's a close second. What's a close second to nigga? I don't know. Lately, the word fam has been being passed around. Oh, yeah, but that's Chicago shit. I know. That's Midwestern shit. We say fam a lot. Is that really where it yeah. came from? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have been hearing a lot of people say fam no reason. I'm like, whoa. That's, that's been freaking me out. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm like, that's some shit we do in Chicago a lot. What up, fam? Yeah. What's good with you, famo? You know? Mm. Today, you, you texted something. That I, didn't, I didn't know what it was. <laughs> you texted me bet. B-E-T. Oh, bet. Yeah. Oh, it's like, yeah, okay, good. See, bet, I, it's on. I, like, you I, know, I had like, no idea that's what it meant. Like, oh, that's like, funny. Like, you put bet, I'm like, I was like, does that mean yes or no? Or is he betting on something? Like, I don't know. Like, it's like, yeah, that's funny. I got to watch that, too, then. I forget that. But yeah, bet is like, it's a go. Okay, cool. All right, bet, it's on. Yeah? Yeah. All right, <laughs> bet. Let's I get it, man. Like, you, soda, you guys call it pop over there? Yeah, we call it pop. Well, that's what it is, man. Shit, it's like, I don't know why everybody gives what, us shit. What's popping? What's what? Soda. Pop, okay? Pop. That's the word. Soda pop. And soda is soda? That's what it was. So soda is soda, but so is pop. Pop is pop. Pop is soda. Soda is pop. It's soda pop. That's the full name of the actual beverage, man. Soda pop. We like the pop version because, you know, in Chicago, we like to pop off. And, you know, we pop a pop. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> And y'all slow down on the soda. You know, it's the soda, man. Soda. It's a soda. Have soda. Like, I want to pop. I don't want no soda. I want to pop. <laughs> nah, man, I don't have to pop. I have a soda. That happened to me one time, man. I was, me and my parents were driving. I went to McDonald's and I asked them for a pop. And they were like, what? Do we sell pop? <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean do you sell pop? It's McDonald's. So it sounds like you're asking for drugs, get a, man. get a cherry <laughs> pop or something. Or, 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 or something. I forgot what I said. And then this other dude was like, oh, oh, no, dude, that means soda. I was like, no, it means pop. It doesn't mean soda. Yeah. It's pop, man. It's you, one and the same. You travel quite a bit, don't you? Car, automobile. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, do you ever find yourself constantly, constantly trying to, like, not necessarily argue with people, but trying to drive the, like, drive the point of what you're trying to say? Nah, I just like to argue, period. Do you? I start arguing in a minute. It, it, it's a stranger. I don't even care. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Where, where, do, where do you think that comes from? I think I just... I think that's just in me. I probably should have been a lawyer. I like to argue, man. Yeah. I mean, like, not argue like fight, but I don't mind arguing points. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to, like, just to antagonize a person. But, I mean, if I feel like it's worth arguing, oh, yeah, I'll kick it off. I'll be like, but, I'll call bullshit. I'll be like, bullshit, that's not what it is. But where do you think that comes from? I don't, I don't know. Did you grow up in an environment like that? Your, your family? They all arguing? Oh, yeah. I guess so. No, yeah. think about it. Yeah, my mom, dad, sister, brother. Everybody likes to get in here. We like a good old-fashioned argument. Yeah. See, I'm the same way. Yeah. I'm the same way. Like, uh, there's th- my gal, she tells me, it's like, why, why are you always f- arguing with people? I'm like, what? I'm not arguing with nobody. She's like, dude, that waiter. I was it's like, just the way I was you not talk. arguing. Yeah. I was just, you know, I, I was just want to make sure this, like, you know, this, this, and that is good. Or, like, I want his opinion on this. I, in my head, I'm having conversation with them. Yeah, but see, some but people for look her, at that as argumentative. Yeah. Right, but for her, it's like, no, you're arguing with them. I was like, no, I'm not. And then, like, for some reason, uh, you know, people were like, oh, you're so intimidating. I said, I'm like, no, like, 
I'm astounded that people look at me that way. Cause hey, I, like, I feel the same way. Because I'm mush inside, dude. I'm totally, dude. I'm the softest dude. Man, I just want to kick it and have a good time. And yeah. Just, and everybody have a good time. Just make some money and just do whatever. <laughs> make some money. Hell yeah. I, I, I to include that part. I would love to make some money. You know what I mean? And that's my whole point. But it's like, yeah, if you push people to a, a point, they'll go there. But the fact that, you know, people would say that I'm trying to intimidate people or I'm trying to do this or do that, that shit blows my mind. I'm like, really? Who told you this shit? Because... Yeah. They could. They clearly couldn't have really hung out with me, or they couldn't clearly have seen me more well, than one time, maybe. But I, you know, when I met you, you definitely. I, I didn't think you sounded argumentative, but you had that hustler kind of vibe going yeah, on. I'm a salesman too. Well, that's the thing. My father's a salesman, yeah. so I immediately recognized it. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, I see this guy. I see this cat. I just, yeah. you know, I, I kind of see where he's coming from. And it's funny because I could see why people who are not are not familiar with that mm-hmm. will be a little intimidated it's like man he's talking fast he's talking witty I was like I thought this is just how people talk man right. this is how, thing is man one thing I know is if you're the smartest person in the room or you're the smartest person in the conversation you need to go get in another conversation that's true you know what I mean and here everybody just tries to play nice and they don't want to you know very seldom do I see people really step up into some real shit when it comes to a conversation a lot of people like to be politically correct and just play it down and, oh it's California you know how and other people were like, nah, dude, I don't like that shit. Well, you know, two things there. One is, I, I agree with you. I think people are being a little too nice. And I don't mean everybody should be an asshole. What I mean is people are kind of containing in what they really want to say. Yeah, they don't, they don't, they'll rather bite their tongue uh, right. and, and, than say something but, to hurt someone's feelings. But if you do that, you're hurting yourself. And, and it, You're hurting that person. Sometimes, exactly. man, people need to hear criticism, man. Exactly. You know, well, I, constructive criticism. Like, again, I'm not saying... Okay, if it's not constructive. Sometimes, I, some, sometimes some, you know what? Sometimes it takes more than constructive criticism to get a point across. Well, it might drop it depends on the hints. context. It depends on the context. Yeah. Maybe he's not getting it, and you're like, well, yeah, you know what? Exactly. You're fucking this up. I get it. I get that. Yeah. But however, like in general, like you, I feel like people are just being passive aggressive. Very passive. It's like, dude, if you don't want this, you gotta let me know, or yeah. else I am gonna do it and make the day worse for you, and eventually you're gonna blow up and shoot up a place. I don't want that to happen. Yeah, by the time I've ever lost it on anybody, which is rare, I've tried time and time again to not do that I've tried to be the bigger man I've tried to look the other way and then it's like if Terry, you, let if, me if tell you, you ever lose it it's you if I ever lose it it's probably deserved Terry let me tell you something man I just realized not too long ago I am simply not the better man in some situations you know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying like, like, like I used to try to be that person like take yeah. the high road and I was like fuck no it's more scenic though what's that the high road is more scenic I guess, but I don't know. Like, sometimes I, I catch myself going like, you know, I'm trying too hard. This person's not getting it. Fuck it. L- let that person yeah. do the thing and I do my thing. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not working with that person ever again. Yeah, I know. I do that a lot, too. It's like some... I mean, I've done... I don't want to say a lot, but I've done that before where I realized you're not on the same page. It's not saying that you're on a different level than me. You're just not on the same page as me on whatever it is we're working on. And that's fine. And yeah, I've wrote, I've written a lot of people off. Like I don't ever want to talk to this person again. I don't ever want to work with this person again. And some people, I really feel strongly that that's probably the way it's going to be. Other people, you know, you'll live and you learn. Now I know what to expect from this person. Right. So I won't ask them of anything more than that. Hmm. And that way, I won't be disappointed. You know. But sometimes I expect more from people than they expect for themselves because I have my, I have, I hold myself to a higher standard. So since I'm holding myself to a higher standard, I'm not going to let you. If you were a teammate or, or whatever, if we're working on a project together, I'm not going to let you fall. I want to push you to be better, too. Exactly. And if that's, that's too much for some people. Yeah. They want to just go along for the ride. Well, I don't need passengers. Well, I, I think the biggest thing you need to uh, come across when working with others, especially like, you know, if you're working on showcases, you're working yeah. stuff like that, is you got to make sure you have this, the vision well communicated among everybody. Because if they don't get your vision... Yeah. Or let's say they do get their vision and they're still not digging it, you're better off finding someone else who does get it. Yeah. Because that'll make it a lot easier. Yeah. I mean, and, or just, yeah, yeah. I mean, some things you do got to kind of go on your own, and that's the hard part. I would just much rather not do a lot of things on my own. Some people won't see your vision until it's already done. Dude. Or some people see your vision and they're like, well, I don't see that for this. I wanted this out of it. And you guys clash on it. Some of the best stuff I've done, I feel, has been a collaborative effort. 
Yeah, because you have, you know, two heads better than one. Yeah. You know, there's a reason why that's a cliche. It's not just because it sounds cute. It's the truth. You know, sometimes I'm not going to make the best decision. Sometimes you might not make the best decision. But if we got each other there to equal each other out, and like you said, we at least got an idea of what we really want out of this thing, then we'll both come to the middle on it. You know, but without that, you know, I've had some good, great partnerships and I've had some terrible partnerships. And in all honesty, I've had more bad partnerships than good partnerships. But the good partnerships that I've had, I've been able to nurture those over years. And I still have the majority of those good partnerships. Right. You know, I have people that are still in my corner that I met in the early 2000s, you know, that I've done business with for years and understand what I do when I've set my mind to it. And they know the type of person I am. We work well together because we're like minded. Other people who are just faking it till they make it, until they actually make it, never trying to gain anything along the way, those people I have a problem with. Mm. When they think it's all a game or it's all flash. It's not all flash. It's a lot of flash involved. It's a lot of smoke and mirrors involved. But that's also on top of a framework to get you somewhere. You got to back it up with hard work. Man. You got to back it up with you, hard work. You got to back it up. Yeah. You know? you know, it's all bullshit. You know, we, we're putting on a comedy show for people where they're going to come spend $6 for a damn beer. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the whole fucking point. That's what they're there to do. That's why they let us tell jokes there, because they can sell us a $4 cup of coffee. You know what I mean? Type yeah. of deal. Show business, man. Exactly. It's show business. It's a two-part word. Yeah. yeah. You got to show them it's the a, business. And not just comedy, but in other, in other, you know, formats. Like, people just don't get it. It's like, like especially, I learned the hard way, running my own room. Yeah. Well, it's like, you know, for a comic, it's easy for them to disengage from the room. They could fuck up the room. Yeah, they can go outside, they can drink, they can smoke, they can holler at chicks, and you got to work. Point Exactly. And point is, if shit goes down, you can walk away, no problem, right? Fuck it. Just hit up another room. Yeah. But me, as a guy running the room, it's like, fuck, I got to stay with the consequences. I'm the one who's dealing with with certain people, have, with yeah. the fucking owner, this and that. Exactly. I don't want to deal with that shit. Yeah. Running room's not easy. I've run a couple... And um, the one I'm doing, the one, well, I've run a few, but the ones I'm doing here are pretty fun. But you're right. It's just way more work than people but, give credit for. But I, I love the work. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. I love the work. It's just, you have to. It's, it's just you need to minimize the, the the shit that could go wrong kind of stuff. Yeah. You know? Well, that's what I like about the showdown. The showdown has, you know, I started that with Victor Cruz and he left to go do another project <clears throat> that's coming up soon. Uh, the uh, Man Jose project is going to be a live podcast. But when we started that, it was, you know, we worked out the kinks and we, we were pretty much getting it into a place where it, it would take care of itself. And right now, you know, with the comedy community, I'm still promoting it, but not as much because the comics know this mic is here every Tuesday, every first Tuesday of the month. I'm getting the emails all month. You know, the audience members are starting to know we're starting to get a lot more repeat customers. They understand this is a unique product. Whereas it's already working for itself. And that's what I want to create. I only want to create projects <clears throat> that'll become, that can stand on their own two feet. That even if I wasn't here, could this show still go on? Damn right it could. Yeah. Yeah. I can plug anybody into this show now. And with the sound person and the management and everybody else there, that show can run without me. And that's the point. That's, that's when I thought this is something that's worth having. This I'm, is definitely a show. I am totally digging it because that's exactly how I feel with anything I've done. Whether yeah. it's, whether I, I built film societies uh-huh. I've built you know uh, other organizations and it's not with like for Scotty it's like I don't want to be I love the place I just don't want to attach it to my career yeah. all the time yeah. there's going to be a point where I want to go and try other stuff and hopefully not leave it behind in shambles hopefully by, by then be going on his own. Yeah. by then there's enough of a community there to take care of it exactly and, and it's a show worth people putting their time and effort into and if someone puts in something a little different that's fine as long as it's still a place for to do comedy yeah exactly you know and that's that's important and and i think that you know that's what's happening i mean these are recognizable names the south bay doesn't get a lot of attention and that's i think maybe another reason why i like the south bay because you can actually come down here and work organically and build and bring build and continue and then you'll go smack everybody upside the head a bit of the underdog story you like that stuff yeah, I've always voted for the underdog, man. Yeah, and the too. South Bay is definitely the underdog of the Bay Area. Well, with the biggest comedy club in the Bay Area, which is funny. The biggest comedy theater in the Bay Area. Damn Prof? 
Yeah, nobody holds more people than improv. Really? No. Cobbs or Punchline? Cobbs is pretty close. I don't think they're as big mm-hmm. as the improv. I don't think so. I've mm-hmm. been to them. They definitely don't feel as big. Cobbs is really nice, though. Yeah. That's one of my favorite rooms. Next to the improv in San Jose, Cobbs in San Francisco is definitely one of my favorite rooms I've mm-hmm. ever performed in. All right, I'm going to switch the, uh, the tone a little bit. Going okay. back to comedy. All right. Uh, I, I th- I'm sure you get this a lot of time, but I have yet to really know. Growing up, uh-huh. who were your inspirations when you first started comedy, and who are your inspirations now? Uh, Eddie Murphy was definitely the first real influence to me. He was the first stand-up I thought was... <clears throat> excuse me. He was the first stand-up I thought was very uh, powerful. I said, he was bigger than just jokes, and I thought that was pretty cool. So I was influenced by him, mostly a lot of urban comedians, because I come from an urban background. So... Uh, I love I love what he did because he put a lot of my favorite comedians in one movie. It was him, Red Fox. Um, so that's funny. And Harlem Nights, like, well, because I mean, like, Red Fox was another great guy that I liked a lot because Sanford is you know. So you, you correlated stand up with movies, which is another reason I believe you feel like your life is a movie with your own soundtrack. Well, true. Well, I mean, these people also were very well. What I say about like him putting all my favorite comics in a movie. Well, I listen to Red Fox's stand up. I listen to of course, live on the Sunset Strip. I mean, I don't think there's a comic that hasn't. And of course, I listen to a lot of uh, Bill Cosby and stuff too. But I love the fact that Eddie Murphy put a lot of my favorite comics in one movie. You know, if you look at Harlem Nights, man, that, that cast alone—that's some of the funniest people that's ever walked this earth. You know, Eddie Murphy. Um, you have Robin Harris. You have uh, who else? Never see Eddie Murphy, Robin Harris, um, Della Reese. It's just, it was all these crazy people that I've been seeing my whole life, you know, just doing their thing. I mean, Richard Pryor, you know, he, that was, Richard Pryor was an Eddie, he was in his protege's movie, you know, and it's the fact that Eddie could bring that many people together, you know, Arsenio was even in there as well, but uh, these were people that influenced me a lot growing up, you know, and I think they were very good at stand-up, they all were very great comedic actors too. You know, it was a great dichotomy between those two. They had those those layers, you know what I mean? Where they could, yeah, they can just stand in front of a mic and make you crack up. Or they can get in front of a cram- camera. Or they can get in front of a film crew. Whatever it mattered, they were funny no matter where you put them. And that's the people I aligned, in my, aligned myself with. And I, and be honest with you, Andrew Dice Clay too, man. I thought Andrew Dice Clay was just nuts, man. Yeah. I yeah. love that dude. Yeah. I like him. Yeah, Clay was crazy, man. Dice Clay. They're, yep. they're coming out of the show with him on Showtime. I think. Not surprised. Oh, yeah. And late, 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 late in my like teenage years, I got into Carlin. And Carlin just, he was just better than everybody. Carlin's the reason uh, that I try to not. But earlier we mentioned about building characters. Yeah. Carlin and, um, let's see. The guy that died. Oh my! I'm fucking with names. I swear to God, man. I think I'm getting early onset Alzheimer's. Lately, I've been forgetting shit. Yeah, you gotta lay off the cocaine, man. <laughs> lay off the cocaine. But comedians like him made me realize that Kaufman? I don't. Kaufman? You saying about Andy Kaufman? Andy? No, not Andy Kaufman. Dude, that dude was strange, man. He was funny, but he was really strange. <laughs> but with Carlin, is like he made me realize that I don't have to necessarily try too hard to build a character mm-hmm. while doing stand up. Sometimes expressing your views or expressing a message you want to convey yeah. and put a comedic twist. Exactly. Is, is, is He used his voice. Exactly. And that's something that I, I do appreciate about him. I actually find fault in a lot of other comedians for not doing that when I thought they could. But one of the one of the main reasons, one of the people who were influenced me to come back into comedy because I stopped doing comedy for a number of years was... Um, Louis C.K. for the very same reason. Louis C.K. is all thoughts on stage. And mm-hmm. I love that. It's not really a lot of jokes. He talked about a joke his daughter made or something like that. But he talks about situations in life that he finds strange and funny. And he finds a way to explain them in a very comedic way. And I was like, so that's acceptable. That's because he's up there now. Right. You know, and I was like, that's what I like to do. Yeah. Especially, you know, coming from us, we're. we're uh, you know, black Mexicans. Like, yeah. do you want do you want I want to make just Mexican jokes or like right. you know, do you want to be known as a Mexican comic? It's like no, I want to be known as a comic. As a comic. Period. period. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it, for me, if I didn't get into Carlin early on, I don't know. I, I think my learning curve would have been would have been much longer. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, Carlin was just smart man. He was a lion. 
You know, he devoured things. He was just really good. Very smart. Did you ever read Carlin's Last Letter? I always ask people this because I thought it was just No, is it available online? Yeah, you can Google yeah. it. I, I put it up on my Facebook Wait, page. One last point. Letter to, to who? To the fans, to everybody. Hmm. You know. And uh, it was just very strange, you know, because it's like in, in the uh, letter that we need to laugh more. We need to love more. We need to pray more. And it was so interesting to hear him write something like that. Right. You know, it was because, you know, in my mind, he was always an atheist where he didn't believe in God. But the older I got, the more I understood that. I don't think it's that he didn't believe in God. He just didn't like religion. Yeah, that's what it was. He, he didn't like institutions and establishments, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? And I, I didn't get that growing up because I used to be like, man, this guy just doesn't believe in God. Well, how does he, what does he just think? He doesn't believe in God, but he believes in people. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, but, but to say you're praying is to say you're praying to someone, some thing some Something. being yeah you understand what i'm saying so for mm-hmm. him to say those words look it up man it changed my perspective on carlin a lot i feel the same way dude i i feel like i don't believe in necessarily that kind of god that's that's the social norm yeah but i do believe there's some kind of not entity but an energy out there what's the difference Entity. These are different because, ways of, Because I feel like entity implies that there's a personality behind it. I mean, well, listen to what the Bible says. Because I mean, I don't believe in God. See, but if you listen to what it says, it's like I'm everywhere. So how can I be everywhere and be a person? It's more of an energy. That sounds more like waves and things like... Is I think it's just different ways of explaining the exact same idea. Because when we say entity, we're also at the same time talking about morals and values. Something telling you how to live. Something telling you mm-hmm. what to believe. As opposed to an energy where it's... Nah, that's what religion it, Religion tells you what to do. Where it's objective. Where it's more like, hey, shit's good and bad. This is how things work, though, regardless. That's But that's to me, that sentence sounds so much the same. Those sound like really? two sentences saying the exact same thing. How so? Well, because it's like an energy that's telling you what's good and bad. An energy doesn't tell you good and bad. Energy just is. That's what I'm saying. Right. So if it's an energy that just is... Good and bad has nothing to do with it. That's what I'm saying. I don't think that's true because then that means you don't believe in karma. That means you don't believe in no. And I don't believe in karma. So you don't believe in karma. You don't. You just think things are because they are. But I do believe this energy can be manipulated. What do you mean? It's the same way of like you know looking at it as if somebody that wants to give out bad vibes has a cap. I feel capability of giving out bad vibes. You know, I could fuck up your day. Yeah. And I could use the same energy to be like, hey, you know, spread positivity. So it's not so much of like, you know, I'm praying for an entity yeah, but I mean, to what? do things. Right. It's more like I'm I'm like concentrating this, the tapping to this different force that's unforeseen that I could someone manipulate. I'm sounding weird, but you get what I'm trying to say? Yeah, you sound like religion. It's a, it's a, no, re- it's a force that's unseen that can re- somehow manipulate no, things. Religion's different because religion, we're talking about people. At this point, we're talking about like, you know, this is the image of the God we believe in. Or this uh, is yeah, but that or, same or, book preaches against that particular image. So well, it depends what, which book. The New Testament. Most, most books actually yeah. preach against all of that idol worship. All of it. None of it says we should be carrying a cross around our necks to show our religion. But, but, As a matter of fact, it speaks uh, in direct opposition. But that. but that's the irony, man. Human beings, we need we need, we just need symbolism. Something. Yeah, we need we, symbolism. we need we need icons. Yeah. You know, I say don't shy away from. It. If anything, let loose and create the icon you feel best fits you. Th- Whatever gets you there, but I mean, you know, knowing that there's something bigger than you, something greater than you that controls the thing around you is one of the things that, uh, or that, that not so much, it gives you control in your environment, but also can shape and manipulate, manipulate things in your favor or against you, you know, is one of the things I know to be true in my life. That's what I'm saying. Right. But I also know that that energy is a very central energy. It's an energy that I've been able to speak to. It's an energy that I've been able to work with as opposed to just an energy just floating in the air it's not just floating in the it, air it, it is affecting you and it's a reason why it's affecting you I think this energy we, we we deal with it when we're performing for sure we have, well there's a lot of energies we're dealing with when we're performing because you're fighting two different worlds you know you're fighting between reality and what's not what's real and what's not real you're manipulating reality when you're on stage that's what I'm saying man yeah, yeah. We, we did, are we on the same page yeah, yeah, I think okay, so. Okay, okay. That's what I said. I said is you're explaining the same thing, no. but you're using different verbiage, and that's that's what I'm saying. It's like it's like you're like, oh no, well, I don't believe in God, but there's some energy. Well, some people call energy spirits. Some people call spirits energy. Some people say it's spirit energy. But spirits again, it, it implies intelligent design. Yeah, and I do believe there's intelligent design. 
I don't think this is just this right here did not just come from the dust and the dirt a pencil the ideas behind creating something so complex with wood and lead and we didn't need this shit we could live just fine without it but there's something driving us to be bigger than what's right around our environment there's something driving us to be stronger to be better to be smarter it's funny you using the pencil example I feel the pencils we needed we needed things to write down we needed no, we didn't. things we didn't have yeah, to write, we, did. we didn't have to write shit down we could have just yeah, lived every did. day and did okay and, no. and traded food for working goods <laughs> we this this was the root of the fucking that's dollar the bill. root of expression man expression is just as part of being human as it is survival I get that I get what you're saying but at the end of the day you can express what I yes they're great writers in time there's also great performers in time and some people Artists. write some people write in time I mean my point is we didn't need it what it did was it developed it developed us into a higher state of being right why are we chasing this higher state of being I've never seen a group I, of I monkeys see what, I see what sit saying. around and have a concert you know, I've never seen a group of monkeys sit around. Well, maybe they do do concerts, but I mean, you don't see. But we don't know that. Maybe monkeys do have a sense of entertainment in their own weird way. Yeah, they do. Like playing with their assholes and masturbating like hey, everybody else. The different strokes are different folks, right? Or the same. You know, who doesn't <laughs> like playing with their asshole and masturbating? That's a great fucking movie. Uh, I haven't tried it, I, I guess. Oh, man, yeah, you, you're fucking losing out. <laughs> <laughs> Terry, Terry, buddy. Man, I'm happy to have you here. We're, we're at the one hour mark. All right. Uh,. It, where can people find your stuff and what are upcoming shows you want to put out there? Um, every month I have two recurring shows as of right now. The first of the every first Tuesday we do the open mic showdown at the San Jose Improv in San Jose. It's a really fun show. We have 15 comics come out and uh, battle it out UFC style to see who's the funniest comic of the evening. UFC, like there's a cage? Well, An octagon? A mental octagon. This is just about to see who's the who's the funniest tonight. Not who's the funniest all the time. Not who's the absolute funniest. Is we gonna come every first of the month to see who got it right yeah, now? It's not about who's the funniest looking. Yeah, it helps though. <laughs> that does help. So we do that show the first of the month, every first Tuesday, and then I have comics and convo in San Francisco um, that we're doing as well. Uh, which is a podcast hybrid comedy show, really fun show too. You can find everything on uh, www.heavyweightcomedy.com. I know no one ever says www anymore, but I'm 36, so I remember when it came out. But yeah, you can find everything on heavyweightcomedy.com. Terry, thank you for coming. Thanks for having me, Or.